everyone, and welcome to the 99 Yards Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan Terry, and today I'm joined by Stuart Taylor, Brian Dickey, and Chris Lawton. How are we, fellas? Uh, yeah, very good, Duncan. Uh, good to be back chatting with you guys again, having, having missed last week, so hopefully there's plenty for us to, to cover as the evening goes on. Oh, well, thank you, Duncan. How are you? No one ever asked you. <laughs> very good. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, sure. just, just crouched on the floor of my spare room, actually. It's... Uh, I don't know why I chose the floor this week, but we'll see if it improves, eh? <laughs> I'm uh, very good, thank you, Duncan. I'm looking forward to this. It's a long time since I've been here, so I'll be interested to see how it plays out. Yeah, we're, we're going to put you to work, uh, not just uh, with what we're talking about. We're going to get an update on the Canadian League from you later on. Um, looking forward to that, but let's start at the beginning. And as uh, we've highlighted last week, we're just over halfway of the season now. And I think it's about time we fork some teams, don't you? Now, I think it would be fair to say that we can not sort of go around the houses on the Jets, the Jaguars, the Texans, the Bears and the Lions. What do you guys think? Uh, maybe not maybe not Bears. Maybe it'd be not fair to the Bears, given the situation in the NFC. Um, what, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think you're right. They're, they're the clear, again, maybe the exception of the Bears. They're the clear... Um, what shall we say? What's the correct term? Mm-hmm. The, the weakest teams, shall we say? Um, yeah, I think they've they've got forks straight the way through them, haven't they? But I'll be interested to see um, who everyone else picked. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're going to go through a few, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll 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 see who's left at the end. We'll see who's left. Um, let's come to. Chris next because uh, and, and the AFC because the next team up on the list would be the Dolphins. I know uh, I know they're your team uh, when you're talking NFL. Would you be forking the Dolphins? Is their season done yet? No. Ah. I'm optimist. I've got aqua tinted glasses when it comes to the Dolphins. Uh, I'm always going to be there supporting and believing that they can pull through. And they have one of the easiest remaining schedules in the NFL, if not the easiest remaining schedule. So... That's something in their favour. They have shown signs of life over the last couple of weeks. And if they can get back to 500 or thereabouts, um, I think it'll be a success from where they're coming from. I know that's interesting you mentioned the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, I mean, they're only two games behind seventh seed. Um, so, so what's changed? The, the biggest change has been probably on the defensive side of the ball. They've started to look more like the Dolphins of last year or the last couple of years. They, they've been more cohesive as a unit. The offense is still intermittently good at best um, as things are going. But I, I, I'm seeing development on the defensive side of the ball. And if that continues, I, I think you can rely on that to bring them some more success. My biggest worry for the Dolphins is actually their offensive line, which is just full of problems <laughs> without naming yeah. any names. It's just full of uh, a line full of, you know, any successful team needs to have a successful line of hogs that's going to push people around and the Dolphins just don't have that. So now I've started to depress myself talking about them. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting you mentioned the offensive line. They've thrown quite a lot of high draft capital at it in the last couple of years. Uh, Stuart, also a fan? Uh, are you ready to fault them? Um, probably. <laughs> That's probably a bit of a, a cop-out answer. I think particularly in in the division uh, of the AFC East, the, the, the Bills, 
um, are clearly a top contender. And now we're looking at the, the Patriots motoring as well, starting to build a bit of momentum. I, I think it's going to be very hard to, to even be in the top two in the division. And when the AFC is so tight and there's lots of teams beating other teams, even even a wild card is probably just out of reach. Um, there, there is some shoots of recovery over the last few weeks, as, as Chris has pointed out. The, the defence has looked a bit more like the defence that they, they were last year. Um, but I Trouble in the playoffs, I think, is probably just a stretch too far for this year. They are certainly one to watch with intrigue over the next couple of weeks, by the sounds of it. And signs of life could be uh, could be interesting because they've got some good young talent there. Um, Brian, the 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 rest of the AFC uh, outside of the playoff picture right now, they're all on five wins as well, like the seventh seed Chargers. You've got the Bengals, the Raiders, the Colts, the Browns, and the Broncos. Would it be fair? Not to write any of them off. I mean, teams like the Raiders, they could well be on the slide, as we covered last week. And the Broncos haven't looked too too spunky. I mean, is there anyone else in there that you don't, you know, could be out for the season? Well, it's tough. And it, it'll be interesting to see this year with the 17th game, how, how that changes things. Because um, you say, yeah, a lot of teams have five wins. Um, you look to the NFC's a lot of teams on five wins, four wins. So it'll be interesting to see as we progress towards the, the end of this longer season. Um, I guess it'll take longer for teams to to be, well, officially forked. But if I had to pick a team to fork, it'd, uh, it'd be the Raiders. You mentioned him there. Um, started the season pretty well. Uh, what an opportunity they had on Sunday. Um, the Broncos lost, the Chargers lost, all in their division. Uh, they had a pretty embarrassing Loss against the Giants the week before, although they played they played pretty well, just just well couldn't score. And what did he do? They drop an absolute egg. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs they turn everything right. They're now top of the AFC West. They're looking good. Um, and look, we've we've touched on the problems they've had off the field, the the tragedy involving Henry Ruggs, um, John Gruden as a whole, uh, and his departure, and. I, for me, this, this is this is classic Raiders for the last couple of years. Start okay, mid-season, have a bit of a collapse. And I think there's, there's just too much going on off the field. And on the field, they, they look like they're, they're heading downhill. Their offensive line hasn't been too good. They made a lot of changes. And yeah, to me, they're struggling. And this was a huge opportunity to put things right for them this week. They've got a tough schedule. Um I think the sixth most difficult schedule in terms of strength of schedule, if you believe in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't like doing it, but I, for me, I say the Raiders are. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm poking that fork in them a bit. I, I, I think, I think I agree with you there. Uh, there's just too much going on. There's too many distractions. Um, they're in a good position, you know. They're above 500, and with the extra place. You know, it's even more likely to get in, but there's just so much competition with so many teams on five wins. I just, I just can't see it myself. I, it's uh, t- too much to to get over. Um, I mean, Chris and Stuart, there, is there anyone else in the AFC you're not fancying from this point? Or it, I, I'm not ready to put a fork in them, but I'm probably taking the fork out of the drawer, getting ready <laughs> to to fork them in in the next couple of weeks or two. And it might sound a bit daft, but because they're sitting at the seventh seat, but for me, the, the Chargers, I, I just don't, I don't see it with with the Chargers. Um, I think that 
the, the they're a team that's too inconsistent. I, I think they've got a great quarterback in in Justin Herbert, and their offensive play calling hasn't really played to his strengths. I don't think this year. I think the um, Joel Lombardi's offense it hasn't it, it's been clunky. Um, but the thing for me with the with the Chargers is they can't defend the run at all. They're absolutely dead last in the league on run defence. And I think as the stretch of the season comes down, when the games get tougher and you're looking at playoffs and things, that that matters and that kind of football matters. And I think that they're probably just not just not at the races for for me. Um they they don't have the the hardest schedule in the world, but they're just they're just too unreliable. And I think the Chiefs is going to pull away from in that division. There's going to be a scramble for the wildcard places, and I think the Chargers just have too many hiccups in them to um, potentially be that team that's going to put a consistent run together as the season wears on. That certainly would be interesting, uh, taking the fork out for the current seventh seed. But uh, I, I completely take your point uh, about consistency. Uh, that would be a concern for me as well. Uh, Chris, anything else in the AFC picture? Well, I, I'm just an eternal optimist. So I look at all the teams <laughs> and think, oh, there's an opportunity there for them. There's an opportunity there for them. Although kind of reflecting uh, on what Stuart was just saying about the Chiefs pulling away and how the AFC West is going to play out, I'm have no confidence in the Broncos whatsoever, even though they went and won at Dallas, which I still can't explain, because um, they tend to be terrible against anybody good. So that's the only kind of one good win I can remember all season from them. Uh, and they're so inconsistent, and they don't have the kind of balanced team that I think would get anywhere in the playoffs if they if they snuck in anyway. Yeah, certainly up against it in a strong division. Uh, I, I hate to do this to you, Brian, but as a Cowboys fan, did you see anything in the in the Broncos that would give you hope as a fan? I don't know because, well, yes, the the Broncos against Cowboys were they they looked great. They really did. Um, I think that's part of the Broncos playing well, part of the Cowboys just not playing well. Um, both sides of the ball. But then you see them this this weekend and the you know lose to the Eagles who. You could probably stick a fork in them as well. So I don't know. As, as Chris mentioned, very, very inconsistent. Um, and they're in the AFC West with again, you know, we, we we sort of mentioned all the AFC West today, haven't we? Um, with the Raiders and the Chargers and the Chiefs, who look like they're gonna well look like they're turning a corner. So it's it's a tough division. And yeah, from from what I have seen. Apart from the Cowboys game, the Broncos haven't haven't looked great. Um, you know, it's it's a quarterback driven league and however, you know, I think Teddy Bridgewater's very likable and he's a great story in terms of coming back from that injury years ago. I, I don't think he's a he's a fantastic quarterback and I mean I think if they got into the playoffs, no one's particularly worried about Amali. I think you could you could yeah, probably quite, yeah. <laughs> you know, get that fork out for wildcard weekend and stick it in, in there. So um, I don't know, and I guess what Stu said about the charges, yeah, it's, it's, I guess, another sort of strange one. They, For years, they've been inconsistent and they've been losing close games and, and you know, bringing a new coach in Brandon Staley, and, and they've done the very much the same this year. Um, some of the games we've lost, you know, early, early on against the Cowboys, lost that by a field goal. Um, and then Minnesota... At the weekend, lost by a touchdown, and was it New England as well? That was close. So, 
you know, they're the, they're the games, the close games where you need to pick up them little wins, and they just haven't done so. Yeah, I don't I don't really fancy their chances either. Just not doing it where it counts. It's going to be an interesting watch then in the AFC, um, especially for, for the Chargers, who currently occupy the seventh spot. Um, moving on to the NFC, uh, come round again to, to Stuart. Um, we've already fought uh, the Lions and possibly the Bears, who, uh, you know, they're, they're three and six as well, but in a tough division. Um, there's another group at three and six right above them in the Seahawks, the Giants and the Washington football team. Um a mixture of talent there. How, how do you see those three teams playing out? Do you think the season's over? Or, or I mean, there must be some hope for a couple of them, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go no. I mean, I think that yeah, looking at the the New York footballing giants, I think uh, they're just plodding along. They're going to win some games here and there against maybe some of the. Some of the lesser lights, but are they going to trouble? Certainly, they're not going to trouble Dallas at the top of that division. And I think there's a lot of better teams in the in the wild card picture than them. Uh, Washington, to play like they did on Sunday, um, it could, could be a different different story. But um, Taylor Heineke only seems to play well against the Buccaneers, so they can't play them every week. Um, I, I just and now they've lost Chase Young as well. Although he's not had a great season, to be honest. I just think that they don't have enough, and they they might just be a yeah they'll cause an upset here and there as well. But again, I don't think they're going to rack up enough wins to to be in that picture. Um, Seattle tough division. I think that's I think that's a problem, and I think that they're probably just a bit too far behind everyone else now. Um, with the with the 49ers picking up a little bit of momentum with a win as well, I, I think it's going to be tough for the for the Seahawks to. To, to do much, but you know if they if they play like again like they play like they did the other night they, they didn't look good. I know Russell Wilson had just come back after his after his finger injury and there's a lot to iron out there, but I think that again I, I don't see the Seahawks making the playoffs um in that in that group that you've just mentioned. Yeah, do, do you want to know something funny? Um, I wrote this week's uh, game preview for Belushi's. Uh, catch everyone on there weekly, by the way. Um, and I made the, the Packers-Seahawks the game of the week, um, saying that Wilson versus Rogers is always intriguing. And, oh, <laughs> I, God, it was, I, it was just awful, as long, Yeah, well, just as least you didn't pick the Steelers versus the Lions for game of the week. That would have been <laughs> something else, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, it was, uh, I, mean, I mean, they came away with zero points. Oh, I mean, no, Green Bay are good. Um, and the defence looked a bit spunky for once. But, yeah, they're, they're not at the races this year, for sure. Um, which brings us back round to Chris. Um, you've got a whole bunch at four and five, um, leading right up to the seventh seed Panthers, Panthers, who are five and five. I mean, we'll look at the the, the, the bird teams first. Uh, the Falcons and Eagles, um, they both probably what more chance for one than the other, would you say? I have, if I was going to pick a team that was mid to low range chance of getting in and have no confidence in them, for me, that team is the Falcons. That that would have been my pick next. And that's based off of looking at their remaining schedule where probably they've got wins against Jacksonville and Detroit, maybe. Uh, and the rest looks really difficult for them. Because if you look back at their season and look at who they've beaten, they've beaten the Giants, the Jets, 
the Dolphins in the middle of a bad run, uh, and the Saints, but that's a divisional game and they can go anyway. Uh, and uh, when they hammered by the Eagles to start the season as well. So I, I've got no confidence in them climbing out of the South and, and making a playoff spot themselves. Um, and the bits that I have seen of them, I haven't seen a lot of them, but obviously I saw them at London and they played quite well there. But the bits I have seen of them in other games, they've been pretty uninspiring. Uh, and that's probably being kind. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that. I, I mean, for me, I thought the Falcons were on a bit of a run. I think, what did they lose the first three? And have had to come back from a really poor start. Um, and I don't know. I think Matt Ryan is is a quality quarterback. So as long as you've got a quality quarterback, you're in with a chance. Um, but it is a, looking like a tough division now, and it's starting to pan out. Um, what, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I've, I've been well semi-impressed with the Falcons. Um, you know, they, they were never going to have an amazing year. Um, but again, the well, the, the Cowboys game this weekend was a, a total flip of the game before against the Broncos. The Cowboys looked great. Everything they did turned to gold. And the Falcons were, were pr- pretty awful all over. So it, <laughs> I don't really know what to, what to think of the Falcons. I still think they've got, you know, as you mentioned, Matt Ryan, he, he's, he's still got it. He's maybe not got as, as much help around him as before. They, they, they're managing to get Kyle Pitts involved. Um, more he he looks fantastic when they can get the ball to him. Um, so I don't know, and it's really hard to see. I think in the NFC you've got you, I think you've got you sort of you've got your few top teams: Green Bay, um, Arizona, the, the Cowboys, Bucks, and the Rams, and then the sort of the other two teams currently is the Saints and the and the Panthers. Um, I could see it sort of staying as it is. With, with the Saints and the Panthers, they've they've both looked pretty good. Um, I I don't know. I, I could pains me to say it, but I, I could see the Eagles going on a bit of a run as well. They they look well at times. Um, I don't know. I guess I'd, consistency is the key, isn't it? One team in the in the um, NFC other than other than the Lions, I'd probably say the Giants. Um, I just, they just they just don't don't seem too good. They'll they'll get a couple of wins. You know, maybe get to six or seven wins, but for me, they, they've just got enough, not got enough talent to to get to the playoffs. And and the team as well that we've kind of not mentioned that, that just really frustrates me is the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have so much potential to have a good offense. I mean, they've got Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they've got Cook, um, they've got some pieces on defense as well. They're just a team that are. Uh, they just they just seem to be they're just there. They're just gonna be one of these teams that are gonna finish with um nine and eight, eight and nine, something like that. They're gonna draft in the middle to twenties next year and just be the same again. And it's really frustrating because I think that there is a lot more potential there than 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 what they what they've shown over the last couple of years. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that one. I think the Vikings have got some great players and they're just not quite able to bring it together on a week-to-week basis, much like uh, in a similar vein to the Chargers, I think. Um, in terms of forking, it probably stops at the the, the three and six teams and perhaps the, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Falcons, the Eagles, we wouldn't want to completely write off yet. You know, they, they show 
enough to to stay in contention. But I mean, perhaps this one to seven of of uh, Packers, Cardinals, Cowboys, Bucks, Rams, Saints, Panthers is how it's going to finish in the NFC. But it's it's uh, it's there's so many teams who could still go on a run, isn't there? I'm surprised you're not wanting to fork the uh, 49ers, Stuart. Not yet. <laughs> they, they 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 were they were all right last night. Mm. They were they were certainly all right, and they do have that in them. But um, yeah, as for as for a big, they, they might they might make a little run, maybe getting sneak in a playoff berth. But I don't think they. I think they'd be a one and done if if they get in. But um, I'm not I'm not going to write them off just yet. They're an interesting one. I mean, Shanahan has got one of the hottest butts in the league, hasn't he? Um, but. They're still competitive, and as they start to get players back, I mean, last night was it uh, Ward on defence, uh, and Kittle's just been off for a few weeks as well. They look a completely different team, so uh, they're going to be one to watch as the playoffs unfold as well. But in terms of forking, I feel perhaps we forked as many as we can, <laughs> and we should move on. Sorry if your team was one of them, um, and perhaps better like next year. Um, but next, we were going to look at the other end of the spectrum uh, in a, a piece that I've named Creator Dynasty. Now, this is based on just how many teams still do look uh, competitive this year and how many of the big teams that are expecting to win, like the Rams, the Bucks, the Chiefs, aren't doing as well as, as planned. So what I'm going to ask you guys is uh, how, how do you create the next dynasty? Um, I'm talking like the Patriots were in the thousands. Uh, we mentioned the 49ers when they had the Rice and Montana years and, and, and young. Um, I, each, each of you, uh, well, uh, Chris, obviously uh, join in with your opinions, but uh, let's come to you first, Brian. Um, which team do you want to, do, you, do you want to make changes to in order that they might be the next dynasty in the NFL? Well, it's uh, it's a tough one. Um, especially when you talk about uh, dynasties, I think what we've had with, with the Patriots is um, it's probably a bit of a one-off, isn't it? Being yep. so good for so long. Um, but one team, I thought if I could make a couple of changes, you know, if they want to get me in as, as GM in the spring, I'm, I can probably, you know, fit that in. Um, <laughs> even on a part-time basis, I'm, I'm sure I could do that. Um, a team that I think you could quite easily help and improve for the short and long term uh, will be the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you've, you've got, for me, what, one of the best quarterbacks in the league or starting to be in Joe Burrow. Um, and look, just for me, just look after him. It's a, it, it, you know, they said this in the off-season, give him a bit of help up front. Uh, you brought in Jamar Chase. That was a bit of a controversial pick, uh, but he, he's looking fantastic. He, he's leading the rookies in terms of um, yards and touchdowns. Um, you know, it's like them two are back at college again. And um, but yeah, you know, you saw the injury Joe Burrow's got last year, ACL and MCL. Uh, but he, he looks back and as good as ever. Uh, but he's still he's still getting sacked a lot, and you've got to look after him. And I think if you can look after him, he'll be good for I don't know, ten, twelve years. I'm not going to give him a you know Tom Brady thirty year shelf life, <laughs> but he should be pretty good um, for quite a while. Uh, and to do that, you've got all your draft picks. You've got um, about 62 million worth of cap space to play with. 
uh, this off season. So yeah, maybe maybe draft draft a lineman, bring one in free agency. You can make a few trades and stuff. Um, the Bengals don't do that. They are pretty um, boring. So nice way of putting it. So they probably won't do anything too fancy. But for me, if you can if you can protect Joe Burrow, let let him do his thing. I, I think you, you'd be on to something good for a good couple of years now. Yes, Brian. I I actually have written down on a piece of paper because I knew Duncan was going to ask this. Cincinnati Bengals as my choice for this. <laughs> so you've you've beaten me to it because I've based it around the passing game, the the young franchise quarterback, the fact that they've got a solid D line, good linebackers. But on my piece of paper, it says. Fire the coach. <laughs> <laughs> um, get somebody in who's going to actually um, bring a, a more modern approach to, to how they run the squad. Somebody with a bit more oomph about them. Yeah, well, like, to, to be fair, when I was thinking of all the teams, for me, this, this is one of the easiest ones because we've got you know Joe, Joe Burrow in place. And if you can keep him healthy, he's still young. He looks, you know, he looks brilliant. Um, and as you mentioned, they've got pieces around him as well. Um, and like I say, just look after him and give him a bit more help. It may well be in terms of a new coach. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But yeah, for me, that, that's the team I would be uh, stumping for. And, and it's not easy to draft well and, and pick up some easy free agents. But if you can do it, I think they, uh, they should be pretty good. That's a, it's, a, it's a fine choice. Uh, one of the league's great honest, young quarterbacks. That. I thought that was pretty easy. But. No, it's, it's quite... I would never <laughs> have thought of the Bengals. Um, and, and sorry if this puts you on the spot. How does their, their defence look? Um, Obviously, you know, defence wins championships, doesn't it? So. Well, they say that. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest, when I was making my notes, it must have been uh, middle-ish of the pack or I would have wrote something. I know they um they lost well didn't lose but they released Gene Atkins, um so they've obviously been able to move on from him pretty well. Uh, they're okay. The fifth in terms of yards against, points against twentieth. So I'd say middleish of the pack. I don't know enough about them um, for sort of individual players. Um, but you don't need a great if you've got a for me. I know you're right. Defense maybe does win championships, but if you've got a a really good offense. You can get away with having a sort of middle of the pack defense. So, yeah, well, obviously a couple of names I know. Uh, Jesse Bates uh, at safety mm. is fantastic, uh, and one of the free agent signings of the season for me, DJ Reader, um, who's yeah. never had enough credit at defensive tackle. So, there's some good young pieces there for sure. I think. Stuart, let's uh, if I save uh, Brian any more awkward questions, <laughs> and, and move on to your selection. Who are you going to create a dynasty with? I think creating a dynasty in the NFL is incredibly difficult. And are we going to see the likes of a Patriots dynasty again? It might be quite a long time. So I kind of looked at this as, do we have a team that's got a championship window and how can we maximise that window and, and extend it out a little bit to give them the best opportunity? Yeah. So I went for the Titans. Um, the The Titans obviously have invested a huge amount of money in Derek Henry and made him the focal point of their offense, although he's out injured at the moment. So I thought about how can we maximize out them while Derek Henry's at his best? Because realistically, at the running back position, with the amount of workload Derek Henry's going to get, you're going to get a few more years out of him. So what what can we do to 
to maximise out that for, for, for Tennessee. So I thought that if we're going to go with a running game, we need to look at the offensive line. Um, they, they don't have an amazing offensive line. They do a really good job, but they, they've got a good piece at Taylor Lewan at left tackle. Uh, Dylan Radon's an emerging guard picked up in the draft last year, so I think that they need to need to have a look at over the next couple of years what they can do that. They don't have a huge amount of money to play with in free agency, but I wondered if someone like Yen Jensen from the, the Buccaneers might be a target. The Buccaneers are probably going to have to let someone go. Um, with the cap space and trying to figure it all out. So he might be someone that they look at. But there's some some good guys later on in the draft as well that they might want to pursue in the running game. If they want to go early with a with a draft pick, someone like um, Ekwonu from the NC State um, is an early pick. But they've also there's also some guys further down the, the draft who are, who are good um, run blockers. So I think that that would be something they would need to look at. The defence has been a bit of a bend don't break kind of defense they've give up a lot of yards but not a huge amount of points uh they've got a decent young pieces um up front um particularly simmons and uh, he's been in harold landry as well so they definitely want to prioritize re-signing him as well they've got an emerging couple of young corners uh caleb farley and christian fulton so the, the reasonable yet yeah, young players there so i think that a linebacker might be an option. They've got Rashad Evans and, and Jim Brown, who are both coming up in a contract years and really haven't set the world on fire. So if I was appointed the manager of the Tennessee Titans, I would be hoping, but I'm not I wouldn't be a hundred percent convinced that um Devin Lloyd would fall to them in the draft. That would be an ideal pickup for them. And I also think that they probably just need a little bit of something else, plan B wise. Um they've got Derek Henry, they've got the big outside receivers in Julio and AJ Brown. I think they probably could do with a field stretcher. I don't like the phrase take the top off of a defence. It just sounds a bit naff, but I think people know what you mean when you talk about that. And they could maybe do with a bit of a field stretcher. They don't have to pick up a top level receiver, but someone, you know, pick up in free agency, someone they can pick up in the in the draft. And they would they would be set if they could nail all those things. I think they'd be a really difficult team to beat if they could fix those issues that they have and maximise out Henry for the few years that he's probably got left in him. That is a very, very interesting pick because they have been the also-rans there I've seen for so long, haven't they? Um, and now they've got Henry. They're, they're up there, but I mean they've, they've got Brown and Jones at wide receiver and everyone forgets about them, don't they? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think over the next few weeks when Henry's out we might see a bit more of, more of that they've kind of they've kind of we have tried to I've, I've watched a bit of the Titans recently tried to get around Henry is quick passing game early um and, and Henry's picking up on those first downs four or five yards they're they're hitting the receivers or the, the tight end very quickly with those kind of short passes trying to make up for it and they've not tried to replace Henry's workload with with another running back. So they have kind of found a way a little bit around it. But yeah, I think if they could if they could mix up a little bit more, maximise out Henry, um, they, they could have so a team that for a few years anyway has an opportunity to win a championship. Yeah, I, um, the next few weeks, we're definitely, well, months, we're going to see Ryan Tannehill come to the fore. He was obviously the disappointment in, in the... In Miami, and he's uh, earned that really, really, really has earned that contract with the Titans. So, crushes on Ryan Tannehill. Uh, thanks, Stuart.
Um, for the third, for a third team, uh, I went with the Bucks. Um, obviously, a very successful team at the moment. Um, but obviously, I'm looking to create the dynasty. And Tom Brady isn't. Is he going to last forever? I mean, he might do, right? I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> doesn't show signs of uh, slowing down, does he? Um, <laughs> pretty scary. I was, I was yeah, talking at to. At some point, he's gonna have to stop, isn't he? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> could be in a couple was, of years. Could be in twenty. I was talking to our fellow writer Stuart Anderson uh, earlier, uh, and he suggested twenty twenty five, which I, I I don't know. Does that take him to fifty? Um, so if I'm planning a dynasty, I'm planning for him not to be there. Um, they drafted Carl Trask last year. Um, he was uh, Florida Gator. Florida Gator. He's very successful in college, but they're not really talking about him as developing amazingly well uh, behind Tom Brady. So. This is an interesting draft for quarterbacks, and, and uh, Stuart and Brian, you know a lot more than I, I do. Um, but I might be tempted with one of them in the first round. They're going to be spread throughout, and they have a lot of talent. Um, there's four or five which have got first-round grades, but they aren't all in the top end of the, dra- the draft. Um, correct me, please, but uh, someone like Coral or, or um, the chap from Carolina, um, the chap from Pitts. Uh, Pitt, um, give me some names. Um, Kenny Pickett, you're thinking of, and um, Sam Howell from from the Tar Heels. Sam Howell, yeah. I mean, they can drop, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's probably a, a clutch of guys who we would certainly. I wouldn't be surprised if if they didn't all, if they made out of the first round into the second round, um, with some guys that might have. In a team like the Bucks, who have a good infrastructure, might and might do do better than maybe anticipated. And oh, I've never got around to writing about it. I had a long think about that. Some of these quarterbacks this year might be better set up for success than some of the better guys last year. We've seen it this year that um, Mac Jones unanimously our fifth quarterback. And um, when we were looking at it this time last year and a bit a bit earlier in this year, has obviously got the earliest success because he's got the best infrastructure around him. So yeah. some of these guys who are maybe not going to go to a Lions or a Texans are probably actually thanking the lucky stars they're not going to a Lions or a Texans. And, oh, well, I might get to, to a Bucks or a, or a Steelers or an organisation who knows what they're doing. Um, right. You know, exactly. so, 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 so they might actually end up being better in effect than you guys like Zach Wilson who went two this year already out injured playing on a dreadful Jets team who knows it, it, entirely uh the the absolutely the point uh it's no surprise that Mac Jones is doing better because he's on a better team we, we've definitely made that point in the podcast over the last couple of weeks um interesting as it is uh for the Bucks they can get one of these quarterbacks and have him behind Brady next year uh, with a view to taking over um in terms of free agents this year, they've got quite a lot to lose. Uh, Chris Godwin, um, he's a free agent, but he, uh, he'll he probably be signed. Uh, you, you probably won't see him on the free agent market. He'll be at the top of the list of free agents for a very short time until they resign him. More interesting is the pass rush situation. You've got Jason Pierre-Paul, Davakong Su, um, Shaq Barrett. They're all coming up for their contract as well. And I might be tempted to cut ties with two, if not all three of them, and get younger. 
Um, they made a fantastic draft pick this year in the first round in Joe Tryon. Um, forgive me if I've said that wrong. Have I said that wrong? No, Joe Tryon, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's been a fantastic acquisition. Um, they, they could go again uh, at defensive end. Obviously, I'm taking a lot of high draft picks here. There's obviously free agency as well. Um, and try and replace some of the older guard at, at Russia. Um, and when it comes to Ryan Jensen, I'm afraid you can't have him, Stuart, because they're going to re-sign him as well. The centre is so important to quarterbacks, not least people like Tom Brady. Uh, you'll remember Peyton Manning and his partnership with Jeff Saturday. Um, Ryan Jensen's been been great with Brady, and he's also going nowhere. Um, on offensive skill positions, they look like uh, Gronk is out of contract. OJ Howard's out of contract. They may need another tight end. And the running backs, Jones and... Fournette are out of contract too. So there's going to be some change going on. And I trust them to to get younger at these positions. And they don't need to be ultra talented. I mean, uh, Gronkowski and Howard are, are great. You know, they're, they're good tight ends. Gronk has been great. He's been good this year and last year, uh, coming back after retirement. And running back, you know, that they're not superstars. You don't need a superstar running back. Um they'll be able to fill these positions with the cat room created with, with Pierre Paul and Damakon Sue. Um, I, th- I think they'll be able to build a good young team around a nucleus that they've already got. Um, I, th- I think we can build the next big dynasty in Tampa, which uh, <laughs> will be very exciting for everyone. What do you think? Well, I'm just thinking about you talking about Brady playing to 50. And <laughs> um, um, actually thinking George Blander played till he was 48 in an era when you could almost murder the quarterback on the field. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's possible. You brought up a fascinating name there in George Blander. He was the, for those who don't know, he was the quarterback and kicker, wasn't he? Or was he was it kicker or punter? He was quarterback and kicker. Um, primarily, uh, he wanted to be a quarterback. Actually, I think he, he retired in the late 50s because... Uh, they wouldn't let him be quarterback, but then Houston picked him up and he went and quarterback for them and had a much longer extended career and ended up in Hall of Fame off the back of it. <laughs> One of the legends of the game there. Um, they won't be drafting him this year, unfortunately, but um, I mean, Brian, they could easily pick up one of these these quarterbacks uh, and go on for years, couldn't they? They could. I don't know. It obviously depends a lot on what Tom Brady does um, because... You know, throughout his history, I mean, it may not be him. It may have been a Belichick thing. I don't know. You mentioned uh, Kyle Trask isn't getting a lot of time, probably. Um, It's tough to develop behind Tom Brady because he's so almost all over the offense. Um, You know, it's all geared towards him and what he does. And as as it should be, you know, he's he's the greatest of all time. So I, I almost think, when you said about building a dynasty, I, I don't know whether the, the, I don't know what they'd be doing with Kyle Trask, but if you look at the quarterbacks in this year's class, none of them are, are too exciting. I imagine if Kyle Trask was in this year's draft class, he'd be, he'd be knocking on not the top quarterback, but I imagine he'd be one of the top five, maybe. Um, Stuart's not sure on the video there, but hmm, I mean, <laughs> So yeah, for me, it depends. Yeah, I just I just wasn't a big Trask fan coming out. That's maybe what it was. I think it depends what what you do with Tom Brady. I think if if you draft someone else who's who's just going to do what Kyle Trask has done this year and just you know sit there and you know 
not it's not a bad life, is it? Uh, you probably paid a a lovely wage to sit and watch the greatest ever play. Um, and if like, you like, you'll, you'll play like a couple Jordan Love, right? with, with some of the best receivers in the league. Um, so yeah, but yeah, if Brady is eventually going to call it a day, uh, there is a lot of pieces in place there. Um, I think I like Bruce Arians. I think everyone likes Bruce Arians, don't they? So they've, they've got a good coach. Um, yeah, I I could see that happening. Um, yeah, it wound me up a bit because I think it'd be oh, everything Tom Brady touches is gold. Mm. Um, kind of true <laughs> but yeah, yeah why not well, why not indeed I've, I've focused as i always do on the trenches sorry <laughs> it's uh, a little boring <laughs> but i think that's how you create a winner um thanks Fuzz. fun as always uh which brings us round two uh and, and Stuart bryant joining because this is a chance uh grill chris chris <laughs> uh the canadian league is coming up to playoffs time um how who, who, who are the leading contenders? How are they doing? Has it been a good year? It's been a great year, given that there was no year last year. So it's been absolutely fantastic to have a season this year. Although it's a, a shortened season, it's a 14-game season this year for the first time in a long time, because they normally have an 18-game season in CFL. Uh, and easily the pick of the bunch has been the defending champions, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They have been on a phenomenal run. Uh, they lost this last week, but they're resting players ready for the playoffs now, and that's really what's affected them just there. But it's all about their defence is incredible. They've, they've not given up. They've barely given up any points in the fourth quarter for weeks now. Um, they dominate everybody in the trenches. So they've got a really rock-solid offensive line that bulldozes down the field. Their, their defence has got um, the likes of Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, who will be in the conversation, both be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, they've got all the pieces. The only thing that worries me about Winnipeg is last year, they won their first Grey Cup for 30 years. It was the longest run in the league for any team not to win a championship. So they got over that. This year, they're hosting uh, a division final for the first time since 2011, I think it is. They're hosting the Western final for the first time since 1972. Everything's falling into place for them. But last year, running into the playoffs, they had to win every game for uh, you know, several weeks going into the playoffs. So they were in playoff mode from weeks out and it built and it built and it built and the momentum kept going and then they carried it over into the playoffs and into the Grey Cup. This year, they've been so far ahead of everybody that they're now sitting back resting people and I'm thinking, is that going to trip them up? Is that going to be a bit like, uh, if we all think back to Peyton Manning and the Colts, there was a period where they would always seem to dominate their division, rest people, and then just fall flat on their face in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so there's that. Uh, but in the West, they, they'll be hosting, and they'll be hosting either um, Saskatchewan or Calgary, who'll be playing each other in the Western semi. And in the East, the Toronto Argonauts, my boys, have just won the division uh, after two lamentable, terrible seasons. So it's great to see them get back to form. And they'll be hosting either Hamilton, who were last year's runners-up, or Montreal, who had a run of a few years without a playoff appearance and made their first one for a few years last year. What, what I would say is, of the teams that are in the playoffs, there's nobody there that you wouldn't expect to be there. And of the teams that are out, going into the season, if you're going to predict it, you possibly would have picked the teams to be where they are, roughly. And the nice thing is, these playoffs feel pretty wide open. 
I feel like on their day, most of these teams can beat the other teams. And what what league commissioner or you know owner, although not all the teams in CFL have owners, some of them are publicly owned. Um, what but what what league commissioner isn't looking at that and going, great, this is what we want, a bit of parity, a bit of any team can win on any day. That's you know intrigue. Who knows? I've said all this now. Winnipeg will probably just walk into it, ramp it back up, and dis- destroy everybody in the playoffs. We'll see. But well, they ran them close last year, didn't they? I, I know it's uh, Hamilton is uh, Jeff Reinbold's team, isn't it? I, I, so the focus yeah, last... was quite heavy in the UK, wasn't it? Um, but they ran yeah. them close, didn't they? Yeah, last year Hamilton had their best regular season ever. They went fifteen and three. They they never won that many games in a regular season. They probably went in as favourites into the Grey Cup itself. But Winnipeg demolished them in the Grey Cup. Even if the, the scores, you know, not a huge demolition, but enough of one to show you. But the, but the thing was, from the get-go, Winnipeg's defensive line was in control in that game. They were just all over them, all over the getting through the offense, all over the quarterback. And it was kind of, I think Hamilton were a bit shell-shocked at the intensity that came with it. But Winnipeg won't be able to do that again this year, whoever they're up against. That level of intensity, they are going to well, they're going to have to expect it. So, so you're essentially confirming what I said earlier about how important the trenches are, aren't you? Absolutely, and that, <laughs> one of the reasons for Winnipeg's success at the minute is um, you could probably flip it by looking at the BC Lions. The BC Lions have paid a huge sum for Michael Riley, their quarterback. He's one of the big names in the CFL, but he's eaten up so much of their. Um, of their uh, cap that he's not, they're not being able to protect him. So he's spending half of his game on his back. I mean, he's earning his money in all fairness to him. And who can blame him for going out and getting as much money as he can while he can, if they're going to offer it to him. But Winnipeg have handled that differently. They've got Zach Claros who came in, they traded for him late last year. He's only lost one game since he's been there, but he's, a veteran, he's savvy, but they're not paying him that much, you know, the huge money that, that BC are paying Michael Riley, which means there's money for them to have the likes of Stanley Bryant, who's one of the great tackles. They've got a rock solid O-line in front of him, so he's got time to throw. They've got probably the best running game in the league. Uh, so it's because they're handling their finances well as well. You know, it's, it's about the off-the-field stuff as well as the on-the-field stuff, the same as it is in the NFL. Yeah, I was going to say it's a story we're all too familiar with here in the NFL, isn't it? I mean, you look at Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, getting beaten up every week. Um, all very familiar. So when is the Grey Cup? It is in December this year for the first time since, uh, I think it's 1972. In its early history, the Grey Cup was often played in December, but usually it's a November game. But, but it's all been moved up and moved around this year. So I think it's December the... Yes. As you can tell, I'm not 100 percent sure there. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just thinking out loud. I'm thinking out loud and I'm also checking. No, December the fifth is the uh, East and West Finals. It's December the twelfth. December the twelfth, mark the date in everyone's diaries. Yeah, stay up for the Grey Cup. <laughs> well thank you, Chris. Uh, and and of course Stuart and Brian. And that's about all for today's show. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can tweet us at 99yards. Thanks for listening. Yeah.